This is The Guardian. Today, all the fun things to look forward to this year. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Is anyone as excited for January as I am this year? Guys, come on, it's a whole month where this collective self-improvement mania means more people are interested in discovering something new, watching something enriching, or just indulging their favourite cultural obsessions with fresh enthusiasm. If this is or isn't you, stay with me, because I had the pleasure of chatting to three guests who have completely inspired me to fill my diary with things worth staying in for, as well as going out for, and I'm hoping they'll do the same for you. The Guardian Saturday culture editor, Gwilym Montford, will guide us through the best of upcoming TV. There's this slightly preposterous celebration of villainy that I find completely intoxicating. Our esteemed film critic, Peter Bradshaw, is on hand to tell us about the films and award season trends we want to look out for. It's an absolute rock and roll, gonzo, bad taste fest, which is my idea of two thumbs up. And culture critic, Beyonce biographer and Mercury Music Prize judge, Seppo McKenna will give us a breakdown of the artists and sounds worth following in 2024. It's an album all about kind of lust and love and what it feels to make yourself vulnerable. Yes, there is a lot to get through. From The Guardian, I'm Nasheen Iqbal. Today in Focus, Culture 2024. What's in store? Gwyllin Mumford, you're the culture editor for Guardian Saturday. Let's say that I've got my sofa blanket, my snacks, my thick, ugly socks. I'm ready to get cosy with a show that will fill the succession-shaped hole in all of our lives. What have you got for me? I've got some good shows, I think. Uh, First up, True Detective, which is returning on the 14th of January. It's been off air for quite a while now, about half a decade. Its original series was much loved way back in 2012. Matthew Mm. McConaughey, Woody Harrelson investigating Uh, a cult in Louisiana. Then it went horribly off piece with its second series and didn't quite return to its former glories with its third series. So there's a lot riding on this return. What happened in the last case you worked with Navarro? That was good. Until it wasn't. Never too late. There was nothing we could do. It's Jodie Foster investigating the murder of eight people in a research facility. So it, it sounds like it's going to have some of the supernatural elements of the first series. So it's clearly trying to hark back to those former glories. A bit x files Potentially, Dare I say yeah, it. hopefully. Dare I say it. Hopefully. I was going to say it's got a little bit of Clarice Starling energy, I think. Ooh. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> uh, would you like some more? I would like more. 
<laughs> so then uh, 26th of January, Masters of the Air is another returning show that's been off air even longer. It's the third instalment of the Band of Brothers trilogy. These daylight missions. It's so sad. I watch the move. We lead our boys through. Band of Brothers was uh, a fantastic war drama released at the turn of the century. That's how okay. long ago it was. Wow. Its first series followed the U.S. Army in France. The second series followed the U.S. Navy in the Pacific. Now it's tackling the Air Force. And it's actually got a quite impressive selection of exciting young stars. You've got Austin Butler, fresh off the success of Elvis, Judy mm. Gatwa, Doctor Who, and Barry Keegan, who... We saw an awful lot of in Saltburn. Maybe too much of. Maybe too much. Does that excite you, Sefo? Are we looking forward to this? I mean, I was a big Band of Brothers fan, as in owned it on DVD in a shared house in my early 20s kind of big <laughs> fan. So the Pacific, I've only dipped into a little bit. Had to kind of get used to the, the use of racial slurs throughout the first couple of episodes. That, yeah, took a little bit of adjusting, but, you know... The way that they tell these stories, the way they give this extremely sort of human-centered look at war is always done so well. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Maybe I'll get this one on DVD too. Who knows? <laughs> Peter, as The Guardian's chief film critic... You're yes. celebrating 25 years of this next year. I know I'm not supposed to say it, but I'm so excited about this. <laughs> yes, hang up the bunting. Uh, yes, perhaps celebrating isn't quite the right word. But yes, I am definitely clocking up my 25th year uh, in May Don't worry, we're getting, we're getting the gold carriage clock or whatever yeah. it is ready. Um, if I'm Please. going to leave the house for the cinema this month, yes. can you tell me what the first film I should have on my radar? Oh, I mean, there's no question about it in my mind. I am Bella Baxter. Coming out on the 12th of January is Poor Things by the great Greek absurdist master Yorgos Lanthimos. You're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. I am finding being alive fascinating. Bella. Why I keep it in my mouth if it is revolting? <laughs> I must go punch that baby. Emma Stone plays a woman whose corpse was salvaged from the banks of the River Thames by a very eccentric Frankensteinian anatomist and scientist played by Willem Dafoe, who brings her back to life. And Emma Stone gives us an absolutely bravura performance of pure strangeness as a reanimated corpse who, in a childlike way, has to relearn how to speak, how to walk, how to socialise, how to integrate with society and other people. So and there part are Frankenstein, part Pinocchio. Part Pinocchio, partly Pygmalion. Mm. Uh, and the very weird thing is when she discovers masturbation, this kicks up her entire consciousness to a new gear. There's this amazing sequence where she discovers how to do that and suddenly she becomes 10 times, 100 times more oh, wow. intelligent. And you realise that <laughs> she is actually not just a freak, but of a like a sort of alien, somebody of a right. higher order intelligence than anybody else. And it is quite the most extraordinary thing. It Sounds is... like a ride. I've also seen Poor Things and yeah, it, it's certainly an eye-opener. I found it incredibly funny. Yeah. Possibly the funniest film I've seen in several years. Uh, the performances are great. Martin Ruffalo is a moustache twirling <laughs> cad mm. of the highest order. And it, it kind of cements the fact that I think Yorgos Lanthimos is now reaching the, the 
top table of directors. God, I'm really excited. Mm. I'm also excited for Emma Stone because for her, I think 2024 is shaping up to be a big year. I'm sure you've all got opinions, but I am going to start with you, Peter. Can you tell me what else she has going on? Well, what else is uh, the streaming show, which is happening right now on Amazon Prime, which is The Curse. Again, an absolute treat. An absolute treat for Emma Stone fans. She plays an entirely obnoxious half of an obnoxious married couple who are centrist white liberals who buy up property in a depressed part of of town Mm. and supposedly so they can use uh, enlightened community-centered approaches to getting people into these properties. But it's really because they want to be the stars of their own woke Kardashian-style TV <laughs> drama, which is amazingly being produced by Benny Safdie, who is a <laughs> fantastically oh, disreputable yes. guy who kind of slopes in and out, entirely unreliable and dodgy. And it is absolutely addictive. Well, how do the rest of us feel about Emma Stone? Because, I mean, she is nominated for two Golden Globes for both those things that you've mentioned. Mm. She's already won an Oscar in her 20s. Mm. I mean, she's... She's having a real run. Any any Emma Stone fans in the house? It'll be interesting to see how things are looking for her in the Oscar race. I think when I saw Four Things, I initially thought there's kind of no chance she's getting Best Actress for this because it's too out there for the notoriously conservative wing of the, the Oscar voters. But the more the more I think about it, it's a sort of pedal to the floor, throw everything at the wall performance that actually might get her some, some props. I think it will. I sort of st- had the same feelings as you, but then I thought, well, you know, Olivia Coleman in a very similar kind of style, performed a style by the same director, kind of got the got the silverware. So, I, I mean, I think she might, I suppose that she's up against Margot Robbie's immortal creation, Barbie, which I wonder if the Oscar voters are going to think, no, it's too obvious, we can't give it to that. It's too, <laughs> it's too enjoyable. We all like it too much to give it an Oscar. And of course, she might be crowded out by Ryan Gosling as Ken as well. Mm, she might well be. Well, speaking of those mysterious awards judges types, mm. Seppo. Seppo, you've been a Mercury Music Prize judge several years in a row. So you've listened to thousands of new albums. Mm. Mm-hmm. What's the first release of this year that you're most excited about? The release I'm most excited about at the start of this year is by Serpent With Feet. He's an American artist on Secretly Canadian, kind of started off making music that was sort of soulful, almost tinges of kind of gospel at points, R&B, very hard to categorize with a genre. With you, I can empty myself of all my rivers. And become a remarkable sky. He has an album coming out in February called Grip, and it basically sounds nothing like what he's done before. It's much more in your face, much more up front, headed to the dance floor. It's essentially the story of finding love in a nightclub and the very specific experience of doing that as a black queer man. So the first single, which came out in October, I believe, is called Damn Gloves and it's just this really sultry bop. And it has quite an incredible line Um, about an erection, which might be one of the favourites of that style of the year. But it's just beautifully done. 
It sounds genuinely sexy. And yes. that is not something you get in a very like oversexed industry. In, <laughs> yes. Surprisingly. Um, I don't know if, if the next lot can fit in that mold, but are you as hyped for the return of yet again, the Libertines? Right. Here we go again. I was an early Libertines fan. Same. What? I actually, I even went on tour with them, Seppo, okay. for about all of two minutes. Okay, well, look at that. Get You're that even more diehard than I was. And that was, what, over 20 years ago now? I know it sounds r- ridiculous to say. But they are back. They've got an album coming. It's called All Quiet on the Eastern Esplanade. And that's going to be coming out in early March. It's the first album that they've made since 2015, I believe. So nearly a decade. Obviously, the background to the story is that, you know, singer Pete Doherty has been living with addiction and has finally found a stage where he's able to, you know, handle living with this illness. And as a result, the band were able to get together and make music again for the first time in a while. I'm just calling to tell you, baby, that they're taking me. The single is called Night of the Hunter, and it interpolates Tchaikovsky's Swan Lake. So Exactly. So, you know, they're trying something new as well. And it is still, you know, quite sort of thoughtful, evocative. It's kind of more the libertines when they sit back a little bit, rather than the really raucous stuff that we knew from their first two albums. And from one rock legend of sorts to another... Peter, Priscilla is finally out. This is Sofia Coppola's eighth film. It's a biography of Priscilla Presley, wife to Elvis. What do you make of the film overall? I love this film. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a masterpiece, but I think it is a very, very valuable and much-needed corrective to Baz Luhrmann's absurd Best of Elvis, sparkly. Mm. Now, that's what I call Elvis film that he did last year. You know, there's a lot of rumours about you. Is there anything to it? Oh, I need a woman who understands that things like this might happen. Are you going to be her or not? Is there something you're hiding? I don't have a goddamn thing to hide. She has this amazing intimacy that she creates with her female leads. And she gets a great performance, I think, from Kelly Spenny. She brilliantly created her almost like a sort of Lady Diana existence locked away in Graceland where... Elvis is the sort of Prince Charles figure, having affairs with kind of Camilla Parker Bowles figures all over the place. So I'm not being entirely facetious when I say that Sofia Coppola is the Betty Friedan of 21st century cinema. She is the, the I'm poet here for this. of feminine mystique. She's brilliant at this sort of sisterly intimacy with her subject, which hardly, I can't think of any other filmmaker who's so good at that uh, and presents it in such an interestingly unjudging way that there's no slant on it. She manages to create this and just let you engage with it. And I, th- I think it's great. I really, I, it's really grown in my mind since I've seen it. Well, going from Coppola's, what I would say, high art to arguably low trash. Um, Gwilym, perhaps one of the most surprising runaway success stories in TV recently has been The Traitors and the reality shows that have followed in its wake. 
it is it's coming back this year right it's back already so you can whiz over to iPlayer and watch the first episode it's such a compelling formula and it's very interesting that it's now a formula that has essentially been sold around the world welcome to the game it's a bit extreme isn't it play it nice Ooh. you could end up six feet under play it dirty i'll be looking at you after this wow and you might come out on top you're a traitor 22 i have to say i slightly wonder if it might be eclipsed by the u.s traitors which is also returning and the US Traitors has a really fascinating trump card in its pocket which is John Burko, former speaker of the That's f- House of Commons. It's <laughs> a throwback I didn't expect um, at all. What? That's a I'm sorry. What? Alan's dropping another bombshell. This guy is the silent slaughterer. Is John Burko meeting a load of US reality TV stars, various real housewives and all manner of sort of D-listers, so I, I can't wait to see what that's like. People keep throwing the housewives out there as traitors. I don't think they've got it in them. This is not The Bachelor, and I don't have to kiss your ass for Rose. Well, what do you think it is about this show that is so compelling? Because on the face of it, reality shows with people locked up in a house, it sounds done to death. I think most reality TV shows, everyone loves the villain. Uh, deep down but you are encouraged not to root for them think back to nasty nick for example but this is a show that truly celebrates it i mean you see it from claudia winkleman down claudia winkleman of course is the presenter of the show and she is massively camping it up as a sort of cruella Deville figure so i'm afraid it's goodbye no cuddling guys that's a different show Seppo, we are entering a new Hitler's era, by which I mean, and I don't know if it's just because I'm getting old, don't say yes, um, or was there really no song that defined last year universally for everyone in the same way that, say, summer anthems used to? And if so, what's going on and what does it mean for music this year? Yeah, I mean, I think music monoculture has officially died there wasn't really a song of the summer in 2023. It really would have depended on, you know, who you were and how you choose to access music. Maybe yours was Kylie Minogue's Padam Padam. Maybe yours would have been Taylor Swift finally releasing her 2019 album track, Cruel Summer. It was a sense that in certain corners, in certain social circles, you would have had a song of the summer. There's every chance you've never heard of any of the songs I just mentioned, because that's the way that music now works. It is so incredibly splintered by the algorithms, almost as though music is content, Mm. sort of imbibing it through social media or secondhand. The idea of, you know, radio telling you what to like or the charts giving you a sense of the songs that most people are listening to, that's completely over. completely gone, isn't it? Isn't it terrible? It really is going to break down to almost your demographics, the kind of things that somebody who works in marketing in a label has in a spreadsheet. That's the way that you're being targeted to rather than just thinking, which of these songs might the most people like? That's I, totally I'm done. This. You don't know me, algorithm. How dare you? <laughs> Hearing what you're talking about, how there's no unanimity, there's no sort of univocal taste now on pop music. In a way, movies are kind of still have that, even though movies are starting to splinter in the same way. But I'm nostalgic for the idea that you could say, what's at number one? And people knew what you meant and they knew what number what was at number one. And that had an absolute kind of, it was a lingua franca, a kind of pop culture lingua franca doesn't exist anymore. Well, you've taken me beautifully to my next question because for all that said about, you know, film world splintering, actually last year, last summer, 
the blockbuster became an actual event again with Barbenheimer. Mm. So, Peter, in the film world, how is 2024 shaping up for those big marquee movies that we're all going to be talking about at the same time? Barbenheimer was such a fascinating, fascinating phenomenon that it started as a hashtag joke and then became a genuine driver of box office returns. And people were blessing the name of Greta Gerwig and Christopher Nolan as this amazing yin and yang combo that were really putting putting bums back on seat. I'd love to see something else like that happen, but I think it's a one-off. Really? Oh, God. I was going to say, well, what about Mean Girls, the musical? Mean what Girls, about- the musical. I'm really looking forward to that. What was that? Oh Lord, it's the Queen Bee. Regina George. Don't look her in the eye. You could be really hot if you change like everything. I was a bit agnostic about the, the original movie when it came out. I wasn't quite down with it, and I think I rather sort of got it wrong a bit when it first came out. I wasn't really tuned into the frequency of Mean Girls. Since then, of course, I've watched every single episode of 30 Rock about a million times, and I understand that Tina Fey is a genius. We as women have to be able to support each other. Get in, loser. Welcome. What about the number of sort of major telly endeavors that are now competing for the kind of cultural impact that, let's say, Game of Thrones once had? How's it looking in the sort of sci-fi fantasy realm side of things? The big show this spring, in that sense, is uh, Netflix's three-body problem, the adaptation of the Chinese sci-fi novel. It looks like it's going to be one of the biggest uh, productions ever. There are those who say we should not inquire too closely into who else might be living in that darkness. Better not to know. It's made by uh, Benioff and Weiss, the uh, showrunners of Game of Thrones. So you can expect something on on that scale. There has been a lot of controversy around it. The author has been criticised for some of his comments about China's one-child policy and certain Republican senators called for Netflix to cancel the show before it was even made. So uh, it does have a bit of baggage attached, but I think it will be pretty enormous. On a smaller scale, um, in terms of sci-fi, I should bring up my favourite show of the last few years, which is Severance. My name is Mark S. I'm Ellie R. My name is Irving B. My name is Dylan G. And I have, of my own free accord, elected to undergo the procedure known as severance. I need to get on this. I keep seeing this in your list and thinking like, well, Gwilym likes it. I should probably get on board. But tell me more. Severance is uh, directed by Ben Stiller. In a sort of dystopian parallel present, employees at a company have opted into having their brains bifurcated so that when they're at work, they only remember being at work. And when they are at home, sort of resting, uh, they only remember the, the, their sort of pleasurable downtime. And so the series sort of follows the sort of worker side of the employees who are trying to figure out why they're trapped in this eternal purgatory. Um, it's very weird. It's very funny. It has one of the best cliffhangers at the end of its first series. And I've been waiting nearly two years for, for the <laughs> second one. And I'm getting desperate. Yay! Gwyneth's finally going to get his uh, resolved severance situation. Um, Sefo, how do you think TV, like the big TV success stories, is affecting music? Because is it fair to say that Mm. there is now more cross-cultural feed between the two than there ever has been? I think there's more of a cross-cultural feed between both film and TV and music. 
in terms of what we were saying earlier about, you know, the lack of a monoculture, everything being splintered, those big moments on screen end up being the new water cooler around we can all congregate about music. Give us so, some examples. Daisy Jones and the Six. Can I ask you a question? What do you think the song's about? What do I think the song is about? What the song yeah, that what I is wrote? The song what do I think the song that I wrote is about? It's about starting a new life. I didn't watch it, I'm afraid, but it's essentially about a rock band, a fictional band that became so popular that people were begging the actors to tour in real life, to take this <laughs> album, Aurora, this fictional album, and tour it. because It became such a big moment. This TV show became almost like an album in and of itself. And oh, I wow. think you saw this something. It's like culture eating itself. A hundred percent. And I think similarly with uh, Sam Levinson's uh, rather failed HBO show, The Idol, the only really good thing to come out of that was a single called World Class Sinner slash I'm a Freak by Lily Rose Depp, the lead actor. She got something good out of she it. She did. Mm. And honestly, it's a perfect pop bop. It's meant to be written as a kind of overly cynical, new Britney Spears character's comeback single, but I was playing it throughout the summer uh, <laughs> myself. So it's those kind of things where sort of the fictional stories start to bleed into real life. Well, I know the industry is putting a lot of momentum this year behind concert megatours from Taylor Swift, Girls Aloud, Keen. I can't get excited about any of those. I'm sorry. So but what do you recommend I book? Who will you be seeing live in the next few months? I personally am quite excited to see Tyla. That's T-Y-L-A. This South African singer, a pop star who it originally started out making music from a genre called Amapiano, which is a South African form of kind of almost like house music. I'm South African by origin, and house music really is our thing. And Tyla, as a singer, had a big breakout last year with a single called Water. It was huge on TikTok. So she's going to be coming to the UK for her first, you know, proper tour since really taking off last year. And I'm excited to see her play. Well, Peter, we can't talk about these sort of big sort of headline moments without talking about award season in film. Yes. And what about films that people necessarily haven't seen or heard of yet, like that you think are going to have awards moments? Well, there are a number of big titles coming up which are going to certainly grab people's attention. Jonathan Glazer's The Zone of Interest, uh, freely adapted from the novel by the late Martin Amis, uh, is a very, very startling and technically brilliant film. The herrliche Zeit, die mir gemütlich im gastlichen Hause has verlebten, it is a high-concept movie, in a way, in a horrible sort of way, about Auschwitz and the home life of the camp commandant and his wife, who live, out, of course, outside the camp and have this 
absurdly kind of bucolic, nice German middle-class life which they've made for themselves. And it is absolutely chilling. And that's out in February? That is out in February, yes. Uh, I am... Um, I'm enough of a kind of whinging liberal to worry about such slickness being deployed in the service of such a, a subject, but it's a brilliant film. Coming up, which streaming service should you stick with this year? Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus. Well, given that my TV viewing, I think, is mostly like looking at the menus for about 40 minutes and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and being like, okay, that's my TV time done. Gwilym, if there is one streamer I should be subscribed to this year and not cancel the sub on, which one should it be? I think it's actually Apple. Um, As strange as that seems, um, they just seem to have the highest quality control of of every streamer and there is there is so there are so many shows that have been slightly overlooked over the last three or four years that you could ca- catch up on severance as i mentioned um there's a fantastic show called for all mankind i was going to say that uh, i was going to say for all mankind yeah, yeah which an amazing program which is a sort of um alternative history where the russians won the space race and as a result america went a bit nuts in terms of trying to outpace them uh so you have missions to mars and and all sorts it, it's really fascinating uh there's there's a there's a great um dystopian drama called silo where humanity lives in a giant silo for some reason oh wow so all these shows but no one's mentioned the morning show which is great because i thought that was the only thing apple did but there's all this other stuff yeah apparently. well the, the morning show is something else entirely i think it's i would firmly put it in the trash 
Hey now, head. hey, hey, they pulled it back in the most recent season. Let's not oh, do I that. I haven't seen the third one. Season one was, I thought, brilliant. I season thought two, brilliant. very fun. Really season two, Addictive. unbelievably bad. What yeah. a fall from grace. Yeah. Season three, I will say they are doing their best. They looked around, they realized their mistakes, <laughs> and they tried to bring it back. I mean, I. Well, season two, up. the characters were completely mm. different from season one. It's like, who, who are you people? Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> What's happening here? I would add the changeling as well. I thought that was quite interesting. Again, not like a perfect show, but I would say give the changeling a go. She told me I had three wishes. When it falls off my wrist, those three wishes will come true. <laughs> Do not cut it. Okay. Seppo, what about in music? Who's making clever, interesting stuff that you're desperate for more people to know about? I would say I'm excited about Future Islands coming back. They've got a great album coming next month, which should be Yes. Not a sentence I was expecting from you. Look, look, they're a brilliant act. They're a great live act. Philip Glass, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Philip Glass is coming back at the end of this month with a new album, which I'm sure is going to just lead me down the usual kind of devastating path of his electronic ambient compositions. I think newer artists are not necessarily going to be giving you good albums, but people who are a bit more established, Sleater Kinney have something coming this year. Kali Uchis, who was on The Guardian's uh, top 50 list of best albums for last year, has another one coming, so that'll be interesting to hear. She's just kind of... American artist who brings together her Spanish kind of influences and it's kind of R&B, it's pop, it's, yeah, a classic case of a Gen Z person who won't just stick to one genre, which is another trend we're going to keep seeing in 2024, I would say. Well, finally, in the spirit of new year, new resolve to do absolutely something new or discover something new, what cultural moment or thing that's not part of your regular beat are you looking forward to? I'm I'm quite intrigued by this enormous Yoko Ono retrospective at the Tate Modern because I, I I don't think I've ever really properly contended with her as as a major artist, but it does seem in recent years that there's finally a recognition that you know after years of kind of being minimised and sex, sexistly <laughs> um, sidelined that she's finally getting her due. So I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Seppo. I would quite like to see a film called American Fiction that is out later this month. I can't tell you much besides the fact that it's written by Cord Jefferson, a former journalist. And it's essentially meant to be about a black American author in the process of writing a book and having to decide how to write that book to market it to a white as well as black audience. I won't say much more, but it looks brilliant and really darkly funny. Peter. It's not really new exactly, but it is coming out is. Bill Bailey is another genius of performance and I have got tickets to see the great man's new show at the O2 Arena. I'm not a huge O2 guy, 
but I'm really looking forward to see it because I, I absolutely think that he's... I don't like calling people national treasures because that makes them instantly insufferable and horrible, but I, he kind of deserves to be a national treasure, so I, that's the one thing I'm looking forward to. Lovely stuff. Seppo, Peter, Gwillem, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Goodness. That was Gwilym Mumford, The Guardian's Saturday Culture Editor. Our film critic Peter Bradshaw and journalist and Mercury Music Prize judge Seppo McKenna. We've put together everything they've talked about today in a handy list over on our podcast page. Search Today in Focus at theguardian.com to find that. And if you're still looking for inspiration, head to theguardian.com forward slash culture for all the news, reviews, recommends, and interviews worth reading. That's all we've got today. I'm Nosheen Iqbal. This episode was produced by Natalie Khatena. Sound design is by Solomon King. The executive producer was Elizabeth Cassin. We're back again tomorrow. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.